welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and we'll be talking about The Lego Movie. Jan, do you want to tell us a bit about this movie? I sure do. The Lego Movie is a 2014 film. It was written and directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. It stars the voices of da, 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 Chris Pratt, Will Ferrell, Elizabeth Banks, Will Arnett, Nick Opperman, Alison Brie, Charlie Day, Liam Neeson, and Morgan Freeman. Paul, what's the plot of the Lego movie? Normal, regular, ordinary, unspecial, generic Lego piece. Emmett accidentally discovers that he is the fulfillment of the prophecy about the special who will save the universe using a special piece that can prevent evil lord business from destroying everything. But it turns out he's not actually special. The prophecy was just made up. But it turns out maybe he was special because everyone is. Also, lord business is an avatar of the dad who wants to glue everything together so no one can play with toys anymore. But then everything gets saved. Or does it? Sort of. But a little bit not. The end. (laughs) Sounds good. That's that's about the plot of it. (laughs) So we went back and forth while watching this movie, whether we had done this movie before. Yeah, it feels like we have. It really feels like we have. But in fact, one of our earliest movies was the Lego Batman movie back when it was in theaters, but we have never talked about the Lego movie, which is the precursor to that one. So let's talk about it now. Let's get into why, what, huh, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Objectively speaking, how good of a movie is the Lego movie, do you think, Jan? I think that the animation, the, the way it's made and constructed of all these lego pieces is completely unique or it was when this yes like they've when made a this, couple since then yes they've made another second one out that we haven't seen yet and there was a lego batman movie but there have been lego movies before there have been tv shows there's been very and there's been like video games but none of them were this detailed and this actual lego Everything in it is bricks. Every, I mean, it's all computer generated, but it looks exactly like Lego. Nothing yep. seems... They move in a way that is almost all how Lego actually moves. They... And all of, like, the water is just Lego water. Yep. It is just cool. That's the only word I can use to describe it. The way they've done this is just cool. It is. And it's interesting watching it again. We watched it when it came out. Mm-hmm. And then I haven't seen it since then. No, I thought I had, but no, definitely not seen it since then. And like watching it again, the coolness, the visual impressiveness absolutely stands up. It is still just as entertaining visually and impressive visually as it was. The like detail of everything, the humor in the just construction of the world visually Mm -hmm. is really well done yeah 
The animation is top-notch. The imagination behind it, as well as the execution. Like, it looks like Lego bricks almost always. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot to do with... I mean, that's partly to do with computer graphics and making things that look realistic, but it's also very much to do with just seeing what it should look like. You know what I mean? Yep. What do you think of the uh, acting? I think it's all pretty great. I really like Chris Pratt as Emmett. It's really funny. I like a lot uh, Will Arnett's Batman. I mean, yeah. there's a reason why he got his. he's the character that got his own movie after this. Yeah, for it's sure. It's just fantastic. Yeah, I don't think there's a weak link in the voice cast, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. I think it's all really good. Um, I think this movie would have been a good movie. Uh, and then the moment when it steps out of the Lego verse into real world is for me what pushes it from a good movie to a great movie. Really? You don't like it? I am on the fence about it. I like it in theory, but I feel like it just emotionally, it distances me so much from this movie. I can see that. And okay. I can see, I can concede that, and I can concede that um, the dad's emotional arc in that portion is a little unmotivated. Yeah. It's a little quick. Yeah. But just the moment, the moment where it goes from being a Lego world, he falls through the portal, and then he's a Lego piece on the floor, and there's a real kid playing with him. Yeah. Especially when I cast my mind back to i did not expect that the first time i watched this movie no at all no definitely not and it was amazing mm-hmm. <laughs> i to- i will agree actually that the live action section of the movie doesn't have the emotional weight that it n- maybe needs mm-hmm. and what it's trying to like it's trying yeah. to have the dad and son connect the way that emmett is trying to connect to lord business but it just that doesn't quite land for me I'll concede that. Anything else in terms of objectively? And the music, this set, the song from this movie, Everything is Awesome, uh, it is a plot point that that's a bland, generic song that no one would, that, you know, is a big hit because a corporation tells you it should be a hit, but it's not actually, it's soulless, right? Right. It's kind of one of these ironies like... Josie and the Pussycats, where it actually did become a hit. I mean, a hit. It wasn't, like, on the charts, I think. But it actually did get a lot of uh, mainstream audience Mm -hmm. because it was promoted by a big Hollywood movie. It, uh, unfortunately, for the plot of the movie, it's actually a pretty great song. Yeah. (laughs) It's Lonely Island. They're pretty funny and pretty great. And so like And honestly the reason I thought we had I had seen this more than once is because of that song. I was like, I must have seen this movie ten times because that song is just always in my head for the rest of time. But you know the uh, the like album version that plays over the credits, which isn't the version that plays during the movie. No, not at all. Um So like it seems like a seems like because it is. A bizarre complaint but like part of the plot of the movie is that that song isn't supposed to be good it's too good <laughs> yeah it's too good <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So non-objectively, moving on to our personal opinions, how much do you enjoy this movie? I enjoy it. I think this is like maybe an overlap with objective, uh, because I actually think this is objectively true, not just my opinion. It's very frenetically paced. Mm, yes. Like it's a lot of wah, 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 bam, 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 things move. And like, it's not necessarily a problem, but I sometimes like things to move a little bit more <laughs> slowly. No, it's just like, it was a little much. Yeah, yeah. Both for my enjoyment and I think just like objectively speaking. Yeah. I remember watching it in theaters. It was much more. It was like hard to follow what was happening because it was all bam, 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 bam. Yes, I agree with that. It's It gets to be a little bit much. Um, and kids movies in general that are made these days do tend to be, tend towards that. Tends towards a very short attention span. And even my attention span, like, I complain sometimes when the movie drags. But maybe I should be a little bit more patient. Well, I think this movie was a turning point. Yeah. I think that uh, this movie started a trend of, like, really hyper speed. Hmm, maybe. In a different way. The, like, visual effect of, like so much happening at once i don't know i feel like an old person complaining about that and i feel like (laughs) people were complaining about that old people were complaining about that in the 90s when i was a kid Mm -hmm. but it wasn't but like they hadn't seen anything yet yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely absolutely (laughs) it's just a little much sometimes for my enjoyment uh let's stick with that instead of objectively Mm -hmm. i also we'll get in way too seriously into some of the things that uh, hinder my enjoyment of this movie. They revolve around Lucy Wilde style. Yeah. Um. So we'll get into that. Mostly I like it. I don't think I liked it as much as I remember liking it. Hmm. How about you? Yeah, I think that... That's exactly the sentiment. Like, I don't like it as much as I remember liking it. I remember coming out of the Lego movie going like, that was amazing. And viewing it a second time, you know, how it was 2014. So it's like five years later Mm -hmm. is just, I have a little bit more distance and a little bit more uh, movies like that. It was a lot, the concept of it. Yeah. That really stuck with me and was so much of what made this movie really cool when it first came out was just the straight up concept. But, uh, and I still, I still enjoy it a lot. I still think it's a great movie, but I don't think it has the rewatchability that other movies might have because just because of the lack of plot and the frenetic pacing. Yeah. And it's, I think it's good. I really enjoy it. But I do think that it has its flaws and it has, um, I can't quite put my finger on it. It, it, There's just something about it that doesn't quite, uh, it was of its time. Yeah. Hilarious to think that 2014 is of its time, but it's 2019 now and it's already kind of old. 
Yeah. Like it was very that moment. Agreed. I think I sometimes complain about this with movies and I will put this on this Lego movie also that like we talked about emotional depth with the father doesn't have a lot of emotional depth mm-hmm. as a whole. Yeah. And so the, you know, my catchphrase on this show seems to be I like movies that make me feel things. I feel like I've said that a hundred times now. Yep. But like this movie was funny, uh, especially the first time. Yeah. <laughs> it is visually very impressive impressive enough to be worth watching uh just for how it all looks but it Mm. doesn't connect with me emotionally it didn't the first time and it doesn't this time and especially at the end when it tries to yeah absolutely i like a lot the the concept and i like a lot i really enjoy the sudden shift into the real world and what that does for storytelling like i think that's a very smart move on the movie's part Mm -hmm. but then it tries for an emotional depth that it hasn't earned yes exactly exactly and the ending where like maybe present business maybe everyone should just all be friends with each other okay Mm -hmm. you know like uh (laughs) we'll get to that also because i have serious things to say about that yeah well i mean let's do that let's get into the way way, 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 portion of our show all right there are many things that i want to talk about where should we start i mean maybe i said i want to get back to president business and saving the world by extending his hand in peace um so maybe let's get back to that first because that's where we just were Like, the movie tries to end by... It has these parallel emotional stories, right? Like Mm -hmm. you said, the son and the father is trying to be a parallel to Emmett and Lord Business. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit uh, shallow, so it doesn't quite land. And in serious terms, that what well, that makes me wonder, like a couple of things, right? Because on one hand, I am in favor. I I would cheer for a movie that solves uh, conflicts through emotional depth instead of through co- uh, combat, like Wreck It Ralph two does, and even more, uh, maybe my favorite example of it, like Moana does. Yeah, and this movie is kind of trying to do that sort of thing. And it fails because it isn't grounded in, it isn't grounded in the emotional depth that either of those movies are, right? And so it, it just suddenly lays it on you at the end, like yeah. it builds it. It's just a rollicking good fun time until suddenly you're in the real world and it's about a dad and son and boom, it's all been a giant metaphor. Yeah, and the and maybe the other big problem with that for me is what's it a metaphor for? Mm-hmm. Like, it gets, it turns to the camera and says, we've had a lot of fun tonight, but there's nothing funny about, right? Like it. Yeah. And what's the moral of the story? Because there's a story that thinks it has a moral. What is the moral of the story? Play with your toys. I guess? Yep. Yeah. Play with your toys. Not play with your 
kids. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and like play with your the the way that the movie treats building playing with Lego throughout this movie is a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Emmett follows the instructions. That is a strong through the movie metaphor for like living a mainstream life. Buy yeah. overpriced coffee. Step twelve, obey all traffic signs and regulations. Step thirteen, enjoy popular music. Tap the charts again. Everything is awesome. Oh my gosh, I love this song. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool. Dry cleaning before noon. Read the headlines. Don't forget to smile. Always root for the local sports team. Sports team. Always return a compliment. Hey, you look nice. So do you. Drink overpriced coffee. There you go. That's thirty-seven dollars. Awesome. Follow the mainstream of conformity and uh, materialistic conformity, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so metaphorically, the master builders symbolize creativity a creative a creative life in contrast to a conformist materialist uh, life mm-hmm. right consumerist life and the, the movie is sometimes trying to like that's better break the rules do something new make something beautiful right mm-hmm. and then it has to give Emmett some way that he's better than the rest of them. So he says, like, you you don't work together because creatives uh, are ego-driven. Like, drive the metaphor. Matt doesn't have any emotional connection to the father-son story that we suddenly shift into. And this metaphor in general, that, like, the Lord Business wants perfection, but he represents consumerism... Mm-hmm. But he represents materialism, but he represents adulthood, the lack of a creative vision. But, like, actually, the dad who builds the whole world, that is a pretty creative vision. And but only, your... But only according to the plans. Only according to the plans. I mean, and is, the meta- is this a metaphor or is this just literally don't build Lego according to the plans? <laughs> no, that's like, I feel like that's it. Lego is is saying they're saying like, remember how you know how Lego is all like just in sets now? Let's get back to the way Lego used to be and just make stuff, right? And like that's why it kind of crumbles at the end is because the metaphor crumbles mm-hmm. and it becomes just a movie about the proper way to use Lego and the proper way to use use Lego is the improper way and following the instructions is now bad. Yeah. Uh and it just doesn't all, it, it leads to such a shallow conclusion. Mm-hmm. And it is, doesn't end up saying anything with these big metaphors that it starts with. It doesn't actually have a position on consumerism and conformity. And that's why when you try to like tease out what is this movie saying about consumerism materialism and conformity well in the end it's not saying anything about all that stuff exactly exactly and in the end as well just talking about consumerism this movie is a giant commercial yep for lego yep like wow 
I think about how, um, and forgive me if I don't get all my facts straight here, but in the in the eighties, in the like nineteen eighty or nineteen eighty one, there was rules about children being advertised to, right? And Reagan was president in the states and liked small government and didn't want the government to interfere in business, and said no, it's okay, we can advertise to kids. And then suddenly, all of the cartoons that I grew up with in the 80s and 90s were 30-minute toy commercials. What are you talking about? (laughs) You watch your Barbie TV show, and then you play with your Barbies. You watch your My Little Pony show, and then you play with your ponies. Uh, You watch your G.I. Joe show, and then you play with your G.I. Joes. Are you impugning the artistic integrity of G.I. Joe? Never. (laughs) And I mean, like, I'm not, because there were... It's not like... There weren't good cartoons made out of that time period, but they definitely were designed to sell toys to children. And that has continued to this day. And here we have this movie. Well, sorry. They have this movie that, well, it's fantastic. And I like it in a lot of ways. And like, it is really cool the way everything is made out of Lego and fun and interesting and using this toy that we all know it's still it's a toy and it is a like lego is a specific company that is making a lot of money off of a movie like this and but also it's a little confusing because it's saying don't make the sets go outside the lines etc and yet what's going to come out alongside this movie are Emmett sets and the car from this and the double decker couch and the with detailed instructions on how to make those things. So like what is it trying to say? It doesn't like anytime there's a movie like this where it is just a giant corporate shill, it's so it's hard to take it emotionally seriously at all as well because of like that little voice in the back of your head that goes, this is just selling something to me. Yeah. This is just a big corporate shill. And we, uh, as in you and I, not as in all of culture, are very conscious of being sold to. Mm -hmm. And we taught our kids to be. Yeah. To like notice when someone's trying to sell you something and I mean, whether it's actually a good attitude to have, it is mostly our attitude of like, notice when someone's trying to sell you something and resist. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Buy Uh, something on your own terms. Yeah. I mean, I've... Let us not kid ourselves and our audience that we're not good at it. No, but we try. We buy crap we don't need all the time. Let's not pretend we're like morally superior beings who don't fall for advertising and don't buy things all the time we totally are but it definitely is something we try to teach our kids that we try to teach ourselves is always notice when you're being advertised to Mm -hmm. and even our daughter was looking at her hamster's food recently and it was like veterinarians recommend this and she was like oh it's really good because veterinarians recommend it and i just said to her what veterinarians And it kind of blew her mind that like, oh, I don't know exactly. 
it could be five out of the 6,000 veterinarians. <laughs> you know, like, you just don't know. Yeah, and so... I want to always be teaching our kids this. But also I want them to have fun and enjoy toys. And like Lego, of all toys, is a great toy. It really is. It, of all toys in the world, is friggin' indestructible. Like it's not very often that you see a broken Lego block. No. And so it lasts forever. It, yep. And it's changeable, removable. You lose pieces, which is a pain. But you can always replace them with other pieces. And you can just... The possibilities are limitless. Now I'm the Lego commercial right now. So It really is true. And one of the things this movie, I think, it does for Lego brand is... I think it was a mistake. Maybe not for their bottom line, but for their brand. It was a mistake for Lego to lean too far into sets. Mm-hmm. And so this movie kind of is a course correction on the branding. Yeah. Like Lego should be about imagination. Yeah. And it was maybe a recognition that like there's a generation of kids that haven't really been trained that Lego is about imagination. Yeah. Because of the way we're marketing it. Mm-hmm. I think Lego since like this is five years ago, Lego has had a resurgence yep. since then. And... I think about our where I work at the library, we have drop-in Lego fun time, which is literally, we have tubs of Lego and tables, and families are come and play for free, and they can't take it home with them, but they just come and play for free, and we get, like, 50 people out every time. So, like, basically, it's a good toy. I don't mind being advertised to, but always be conscious of being advertised to yeah at this point i can't not be conscious of being advertised <laughs> yeah to. exactly so let's move on a little bit from from that to from ranting and raving about lego to i mean we gotta talk about wild style we do what do you want to say about wild style there's a couple of things there's a to couple say. of things so where to do say you want to start i mean I've heard so many people say it, so it's not like this is a magical original thought, but this is the kind of movie where there's a woman who is really good at something, and who gets the credit, who gets to be the hero, is the hapless dude. Yep. The hapless, ordinary dude gets to come and be the special, and it, you know, it turns out he's not special after all, but he still gets, but he still gets to be the hero. Yep. And it's like, that gets, uh lampshaded in the marketing for the lego movie 2 mm-hmm. i'm interested to see what they'll say in the second lego movie but it's one of these things that we have called out in many different kind in many different movies mm-hmm. to like just because you draw attention to your failing doesn't mean it's not your failing <laughs> yeah right? um why couldn't Emmett have why couldn't the generic person have been a woman because women aren't generic people yeah and that's a thing we've gone over in this... I mean, that's one of the things about this movie. And it's a thing we've gone over in this podcast again and again and again and again. It just didn't... Like, I genuinely think that it did not occur to anyone making this movie. A bland, generic person can't be a woman. Mm-hmm. It didn't occur to anyone involved in this movie. That I mean, there were other reasons and the... Uh, 
the mandatory love story and all that garbage. But I think at the very root of it is, hey, let's have an absolutely generic uh, Lego be the hero. Well, a generic Lego is male. (laughs) Yeah. Because a generic person is male. Mm -hmm. And a generic Lego is played by a white man named Chris. (laughs) Yeah. Right? That's a problem for this movie. Yeah. As, like, the root of it, like, why... Because these movies always... The reason, like... (sighs) It's complicated and multi-layered, right? Because the reason that this story keeps getting told of, like, there's a hyper-competent woman who leads the incompetent or inexperienced man through his journey to discover hero-dom is because you want to tell and it is like everyone's always like why couldn't uh uh what's her face carrie ann moss be the hero of uh the matrix of the matrix why couldn't lucy be the hero of this why can't the the awesome person with all the skills be the actual person who saves the day why couldn't the wasp be the hero of ant-man And it's because you can't start, like, narratively, it is weak to start with a character who's already competent. Yeah. It's just a better story in terms of narrative if the main character starts without skills and ends with skills or starts unaware of the problem and discovers the problem, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then, so, that part of the complaint that people always have is a complaint that comes from a lack of understanding of what makes a good story. You couldn't actually have the person who's already competent be the hero of the story. I mean, you could be, but it would not be as compelling a story. Yeah, absolutely. But why is that hapless person always a man? Because I I think it is not uh, at its root most of the time. It's not the kind of sexism that says only men can be heroic. It's the kind of sexism that says... We want to start with an unexpected, generic everyman. Mm-hmm. And hey, everyman. A generic person is a white man. And then we get to be surprised. We get to experience them growing into herodom. So I, I think it is rooted absolutely in sexism, but people often misdiagnose what kind of sexism it is. Yeah. It's not that the movies don't... It's not that the movies don't think women can be heroic it's that they think women can't be generic it also is rooted in uh the super competence of women yep women uh run everything and are the the power behind men and men are just hapless idiots who don't know how to do anything unless a woman tells them to but then when they get told they can surpass her easily yeah and it's it's like Go ahead, sorry. It's this kind of infantilizing of men that happens that is, this is where, like, feminism is for everyone. This is hurting you, men, to infantilize yourself. Yep. And to say, like, yeah, that you're just a helpless or, like, a, a, just a dummy. Yeah, for sure. And that is also is, I think... Like, rooted in the same thing. You have the generic person, and that's a man, a white man. And then everyone else in the movie has to earn their place. Yeah. Right? Or in the story. Has to earn their place. 
And so often they make this hyper-competent woman from uh, misplaced good intentions of like, well, let's have a woman who's great at things because to, because we believe women can be great at things. Mm-hmm. But she has to earn her place in the movie by being the best there ever was or else we don't care about her. Yeah, exactly. And that speaks to like cultural problem mm-hmm. of like low expectations and a low bar for men who don't have to do anything to earn their space in the world they just deserve it generically yeah a standard person is a white man who deserves to exist yeah if you're gonna take up space in the world as a person of color or a woman you need to earn that space Mm -hmm. she's also the smurfette she sure as shoot is well no okay so is she unikitty there's also unikitty is a character she is a character it's true she's in the team but go ahead explain what you mean but she is i mean she's the secondary lead mm-hmm. in an in a cast where Emmett is the lead she is the only standout girl and like i mean unikitty is female but unikitty is a unicorn cat that's true it's not quite the same thing that's true and the other thing, just a random fact about this movie, is this was the first time Wonder Woman was ever seen on the big screen. Oh my goodness. So before the Wonder Woman movie, this was the first time you ever saw a portrayal of Wonder Woman on the big screen. And how long did her role last? You know, eight seconds. She had a couple of lines. She did. Um, so that's just, it's just highlighting this systemic sexism and it's doing its best, like it's, I don't know if it's doing its best, but it's trying like to have Wonder Woman in this. It was actually groundbreaking, which is pathetic. Yeah. But so I feel like it's, it gets points for trying, but it also just like falls just as short as so many other movies before it. Yep. And that's just an example to kind of highlight that is this is the first time we ever saw Wonder, Wonder Woman on screen and it's for like eight seconds in a Lego movie. And Batman gets to be a lead. Exactly. Why couldn't it be Wonder Woman and Batman? Why couldn't it be Batgirl? You know, I'm just saying. Um, Why can't it be Batgirl? Why can't it be Wonder Woman? Because Batman's role in the movie is to be this other point of a love triangle with Wildstyle and Emmett. Yep. Because you have to have a mandatory romantic relationship. Compulsory heterosexuality, mandatory heterosexual love story uh, that's flat and boring and is beneath us. Mm-hmm. Like, all the characters in the movie deserved better than that love story. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the way that, like, as a character, Lucy is ultimately fairly pathetic for being like, I have a boyfriend. It's super serious. It's Batman. I have a boyfriend. I have a boyfriend. Like, yeah. It makes her, they uh, make her very dependent on a man's approval on a... Uh, a boyfriend to give her value 
and she moves from Batman to Emmett and that's like Batman is like you know he's the hero you deserve and like she's the object that Batman and Emmett compete over and he's a hundred percent like the reward that Emmett gets for becoming a hero is like well Batman is gonna give up on her and give her over to Emmett because he deserves her now like doesn't matter what she thinks yeah that drives me crazy yeah it's like it does both the she has no identity unless she's in a romantic relationship and also women are prizes for heroes to win mm-hmm. it does both of those things yep and then on top of all of that what's the deal with her name wild style and lucy why is that a punchline because i i mean the Morgan Freeman character says that she's always choose she was always choosing her name. I mean, it does give her a backstory of uh, insecurity. It does, and he says it's insecurity. And like, I honestly, I think it is a backstory that's not doing anyone any favors. Mm-hmm. I think it's a backstory that's rooted in sexism. It's rooted in very sexist tropes and narratives about women who want the bad boy and act out to attract attention because they're actually insecure and like that is a trope yeah i mean it's a massage i hear what you're saying but i also feel like we just complained about her being like so strong strong woman can do no wrong and then we're also complaining that she has a backstory where she's insecure so because it's not real insecurity Mm. it's not insecure like the the I wanted to be the hero. Her putting that in her mouth was great. Yeah, uh, that was a good moment. The like, she is uh, always changing her name because she's so insecure. Because she and and she defi- it goes hand in hand with she defines herself by like finding the bad boy boyfriend. Hmm. That's a sexist trope. Yeah. That's not a character, right? It's what uh, angry, nice guys tell themselves about uh, the women who won't date them. They're just insecure and trying to give them... Like, it's the perspective on a woman that a... uh... (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Do you? Do I? Am I saying what I think I'm saying? I think I get what you're saying. I just feel like it's not... um, uh, she's got a little bit of a backstory in lieu of a character depth. Hmm. They're like, I wanted to be the hero and to be competent, like to be the best, the very best, like no one ever was. <laughs> That's a backstory. I'm insecurely always changing my name because like, that's not a backstory. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. I'm mad at you because I wanted to be the hero. That's that's unspokenly true for Trinity in The Matrix. Mm-hmm. I like that it's spoken in this movie. So that was better. So is it good? Is it seriously good? I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Despite some complaints about its rewatchability, I think it's good. And I think, honestly... Uh, 
on the animation alone. The animation is so strong that it would be good if everything else about it was bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Which it isn't. Yeah. But even if it was. Yeah. And I mean, maybe we didn't mention enough the like, it's really funny. There's so many funny parts in it. Like, it's just clever as anything in terms of the dialogue. It is. I think I got it. But just in case, tell me the whole thing again. I wasn't listening. <gasps> that one's just too real. <laughs> it's so good. I like uh, Spaceship Guy. Mm-hmm. A Spaceship Guy. And just like, oh, he just keeps saying like, Spaceship! All the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's very good. Is it seriously good? No. No. It's got some serious flaws to it. Right. I hesitate to call it seriously bad. Is it seriously bad? What saves it from serious badness? I don't know. Like it's, it's got trying. Is it? What evidence do you have that it's even trying? I'm not sure it's trying. I think that it thinks that having a female character is with like, a pink stripe in her hair is that in lieu of personality. Is a point. It thinks having a female character is progress. Oh, <laughs> kudos. Yeah, uh, okay. It is good and seriously bad. And, I, I mean, like, if this is a Lego commercial, we've talked off, we've talked to each other, ranted to each other about how Lego used to be for everyone and now is for boys. And then there's a separate ghetto of uh, Lego for girls. Mm-hmm. This is not a movie that sells itself as Lego is for everyone. No. This is a movie that sells itself as Lego is for boys. That's true. The boy Our... and the dad play it and the generic person is a boy and, you know, like... Yeah, and like our girls love this movie, but it's true. This is definitely the kind of boy movie. Yep. That's a whole different rant slash it is but it also is like all the stuff with wild style don't pretend that doesn't contribute to that yeah you know you make a movie about lego and the girl is the reward yeah because this movie is not for is not about or for girls (laughs) and the girl's place is she's the sister who's gonna mess everything up oh you're right so I don't think that this is, I think this is just seriously bad. Okay, that's it. Jury rules, judge rules. <laughs> I don't know what rules. We rule. <laughs> we rule. <laughs> if you think we rule, tell us about it. <laughs> On Twitter and at WTScast. On email, waytoseriouslycast at gmail.com. Find us in other places. Send us and build us out of Lego. Yes, please. And, you know, our 100th episode is coming up super soon. I don't know what number this is. I'm not keeping close enough track. It's like 93 or 94. So our 100th episode is coming up really soon. Should we have a big party for that? Let us know. (laughs) If we should do something special. Anyway. Anything else to say? No, I think that's about it. I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. I'm going to go play with some Lego. 
Are you really? No, actually, I'm not. I'm going to go read a book about a sad German. (laughs) (laughs) Ha 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 ha!